Welcome to the STR Data Lab. Oh my goodness, Jamie Lane. Hello, favorite person. How are you? Mariah Kamei, welcome to the STR Data Lab. Is that where I am? Is, I'm, in, I'm in the lab right now. It's just a padded room. <laughs> but a great announcement. The new HQ for our DNA is up and running. You're there today. Oh my God. We have a baller, baller office, you guys. We moved a whole two blocks from where we used to be, but we did need a little bit more space. And yeah, shout out to the team that helped us move in. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome over here. If you're in Denver, stop by. It's right on like Market and 15th, Market and 15th, guys. We'll have a big sign. You'll find us. And I, I know your marketing team can be very particular in their space. So are, are they happy? Let's not go. Let's not. Let, <laughs> firstly, marketing team being happy, those two things generally. <laughs> That's not how we roll. That's not how we roll. But uh, yes, we are, we are settled in. I'll say that. Great. And yeah, you'll have to come visit at some point. Yeah, I've heard great things from my team and shout out to my new analyst, uh, Linda Rollins, starting last week. Happy to have you here too. Seriously. Well, she'll be listening later, as we know. So yes, <laughs> shout out to Linda. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're here. We're in the lab. We're, you know, mixing up formulas. I don't know. I'm coming up with some really bad data jokes. We were talking about dad jokes earlier, but we are here to share with folks you know what? I, for some reason, I've just got the big Lebowski in my head. And there's that great song in that movie that's called I Just Checked In to See What Condition My Condition Was In. <laughs> and I feel like that's what we're here to do today with the audience, Jamie. We're here to check in on the condition of our condition as an industry. And that's what I love most when talking with people out in the field, talking with our clients is that they like to use the podcast as a check-in on the numbers and, and what's happening. What does the health of the industry looks like? What are the key economic numbers that they should be paying attention to? And most importantly, what happened to Knight's Booked last month and how is the summer or how is the near-term pacing? So should we just jump in? Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're ready to go. It sounds like maybe you've been talking to a few people about this. Not surprised. But yeah, you're right. It's always the question of supply, demand, night books, what's happening in the future. What's happening? You tell me, you hit, hit me, hit me with the forecast, my friend. Yeah. So let's start with the demand side. So another, I would call it decent month for, for bookings. So nights booked were up roughly 12%. I say decent because over the past eight months, Nights Booked has been really strong. Like we've been averaging about 20% and 12% is actually the, the weakest month of growth that we've had over the past eight. So I, I wouldn't call it concerning yet, but if it slides further, that, that could be pointing to really weakening uh, demand. Overall, Nights Stayed was up 16% year over year. So really in line and actually a slight acceleration from what we'd seen uh, last month. So spring break happened. Spring break ended up being one of the best on record, especially for a lot of the, the beach markets. Uh, things were good. Supply, though, continues its sort of march up. We were at 20% growth year over year, which on a growth rate was down slightly from or significantly from February. So if you remember last month, we were talking, it was like, it was kind of concerning that uh, <laughs> supply growth re-accelerated in February, but 
that does appear to be just a blip. So we're now I'm squarely on that downward trajectory, especially in beach and mountain markets. And uh, that really aligns with one, what we're seeing in terms of new listings added, really weak for in terms of numbers for mountain and coastal markets. Uh, and then I saw some headlines this past week from Redfin where they're talking about mortgage applications in for second homes. They're seeing that down 50% pre-pandemic levels. And that's for second homes. And for primary homes, it's only down about 13%. So the weakening housing market from higher interest rates, falling home values is definitely impacting second home, uh, which is primarily vacation homes that people are purchasing, which no surprise then that it's sort of flowing through into a lower supply growth that we had been forecasting, but had yet to really start to show up in the data. Yeah, which is always, it's always good to get that validated at some point. I hear you. There was a little bit of a nail biting moment in February around that. And it almost feels like people, yeah, are starting to get the message, right? Like there's oversaturation in these areas, including beaches and, and mountains. Very interesting. Very interesting. But spring break, super strong. People were traveling. People are traveling, question mark. Fortunately, the consumer spending, labor, everything is still looking great, like on the economic side. Unemployment still at 60-year lows, 3.5%. We saw a very healthy increase in employment in March, uh, 236,000 jobs. We had been seeing sort of north of 300, 400,000 jobs being added. That was objectively way too strong for... <laughs> what we need at this point to slow the inflation numbers. I'm actually going to be happy when we see like a print where it's like 150,000 or 100,000, just because it, it shows that the economy is slowing, uh, but not yet turning job growth negative. I mean, obviously people are losing their jobs and we never want to see that. So I would say stop, soft landing is still a possibility where we don't go into a recession and job numbers like the ones we saw, the job report we saw in March was exactly like what we want to continue to see. So uh, wage growth slowed, job growth slowed, but still positive, still, and as I said, a very healthy number. Unemployment insurance claims, so number of people sort of filing for first-time unemployment is ticking up, but not in any alarming way, still at sort of I'm very low in terms of historical figures. And then I know I'm getting into the weeds on the jobs numbers, but oh, one I of like my that. favorites is the, the JOLTS report. <laughs> um, so it's the Job Opening and Labor Turnover Survey. I so knew it was an acronym. Knew it. <laughs> that's the one where they say how many jobs are actually available to be, I mean, that people are advertising. And that's coming down significantly. So if we can slow job growth through just like employers advertising fewer jobs and not actually laying off. So like, let's take a pause in hiring and not start laying people off. That would be Goldilocks moment for us of, of slowing the economy, but, but not taking it negative. Oh, it always strikes me at how much of this is such a balancing act, right? It's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Everybody do your part. <laughs> yeah. I, I would not want to be Jerome Powell right now trying to orchestrate that balancing act. Oh my God. No, no. That guy's got some serious intestinal fortitude for 
Yeah, everything. So the other thing we're watching is is clearly prices, both for short-term rentals and on the inflation side. So core inflation is ticking down at 5%. 5% is not 9% that we were seeing last summer, but it's still not 2% that the Fed wants. So coming down, but slowly. And my forecast is about 3.5% by the end of the year. And we're definitely on track for that. And I think we're more than likely going to see one more uh, interest rate hike from the Fed. And then my expectation is that they they pause and see what happens. Many forecasters are still forecasting a recession in the back half of the year, which we'll be watching the data closely for. And that could be the real factor that starts sort of slowing short-term rental demand. So people maybe thinking twice about that vacation are, are even with a recession in our baseline outlook, we aren't forecasting a decline in demand on a year-to-year basis, but just further slowing of demand. That's a really good point and a good nuance, right? Which is that still stronger than it has been in the past. It's all relative. I think you mentioned a whole bunch of historicals um, as it relates to the economy as well. So in terms of relative growth, we're still good, but not, you know, obviously, potentially all that pent-up demand that we saw that just sort of put, I'd say, travel on methamphetamines for the <laughs> for the la- why not right um for the last few <laughs> years is there i mean is there a message in there in terms of just sort of like you know hunkered down and like knowing that we're going into another sort of big traveling season this summer you know get what you can in terms of re- you know rev par and everything else yeah and our expectations and occupancy that this is going to be a relatively strong year. And if we look back over time, they'll probably be the second highest or third highest occupancy summer ever behind 2021 and 2022. So not quite the 70% that we saw in 2022 or the almost 80% that we saw in 2021, but still much higher than the 65% that we saw in 2019. And We're still seeing people wait a bit to book. So the lead times are still fully not back to 2019 levels. Uh, They've maybe expanded a bit from last year. But yeah, there's there's still a lot of people traveling. So it's it's important. And even if you haven't booked out maybe as far in advance as you would have hoped, you've still got some time open on your calendar uh, for the summer. Like typical lead times for summer travel are still only 60 days. And that's sort of the median. So that's two months in advance. We still have a good amount of time to get bookings. And that 60 days is the median. So that's half of people still booking less than two months in advance for summer travel. So there's still a lot of bookings yet to be had for peak season. So if you haven't sold out, that's probably good. It means that you're holding your rates and there's going to be demand coming. Yeah, I think I mean, we saw that a little bit with spring break as well, right? Sort of last minute bookings. So yeah, again, go, going back to sort of potentially normal trends for people in terms of when they're going out. So yeah, holding steady. How's how's your mom's bookings doing? How's how's I know we've talked about mom before. How's she doing? Because I know you've been you've been doing a really good job of coaching her on like hold those rates. Don't. Yeah. She don't held rates, that. and I, I think she's almost entirely booked now. So it was. <laughs> She's still not raising the rates as much as I want her to, but we're at least not uh, discounting eight months ahead of time. So progress is being made. Progress is being made. Good advice for everyone. 
I almost feel like what you need to do with her is like, can you make up the difference for her? Like if you raise the rate and she doesn't, I don't know. Anyway, maybe there's some that you can make with her. My new plan is I'm actually going to work with some of our partners and uh, get some new furniture for all our homes. Yeah. You keep, I'm going to pay you the nightly rates that you are charging. I'm going to furnish the property, charge $150 more a night and pay off the furniture. And then I get to keep future profits off of that. And we'll, we'll, we'll see if she goes for that. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, I let's strong arm her into this. I don't know. If, does she listen to the podcast? Hi, Jamie's mom. If you do, she's going to listen to this episode. Well, I mean, you know, I'm in marketing, so you know what we're going to do with all of this is we're going to turn it into a great piece of content. We're going to write a blog <laughs> post about Jamie's mom and her bookings. I love this. Okay. Yeah. Let's, again, do it for me, Jamie's mom. Do it for me. Don't do it for Jamie. Do it for, for Mariah. I mean, it, it seems like a, a no-lose situation, and, and she gets brand new furniture, guaranteed revenue, and we all uh, get to see some upside. Yeah, I agree with you. I, the only danger, I think, is like now our listeners know that we're making these kind of offers. So uh, this might be exclusive, exclusive to family only for now. <laughs> yeah. So two other points I want to make is one on ADR trends for the industry. Uh, so we're still seeing slowing ADR growth. We only saw ADRs up just over 2% in March, uh, which is some of the lowest gains that we've seen. I think a, a big part of that is is the falling occupancies and people not seeing the bookings that they've come accustomed to over the past two years and on average 20% supply growth. Like that's that's still in a lot of areas really significant new competition coming in and feeling like they need to uh, discount because of that. We've been working on this new same home ADR index. Uh, we still haven't named it yet. We're soliciting names. Uh, so if you have a good, maybe I should be asking the marketing team for that. I was uh, going to say, hello. No, I'm kidding. But essentially it sort of removes out sort of the changes in supply that happens. Like there's always new homes being added, homes coming out and looks at homes that were available for rent both last year and this year. And what was the sort of real change in, in price between those two periods, right? It lets us sort of tease out how much people are really raising or lowering their rents on a year-over-year basis. And also ADR is down about uh, just over one and a half percent. And when we look back to last year, so I know we weren't doing the podcast then, but we were collecting data and, and writing about it. ADRs were up 10%. So just the mentality of like, I'm, I was getting a 10% increase in ADRs at this time last year to now and only getting a 2% increase. Uh, and inflation still 5%, like there's definitely some pain happening out there. There's some just notion of weakness in the industry. Falling occupancies is the most visible way, but a lack of pricing power is where it shows up as well. That's such a really, really good point. I mean, I, you know, I guess on one hand, if you have sort of a decent mortgage rate, you know, back in those good old days, right, you've got that going for you. But have we looked into any sort of that, like sort of the raising cost of operating as well? That's an yeah, interesting thing. Definitely on the labor side. And we're finally seeing, and for operators, the pace of uh, wage increases begin to slow. Leisure and hospitality, especially hotels and cleaners related to lodging, wage growth had been some of the strongest across any type of employment category. 
Uh, so that is easing some, but it's and well north of 5%. So and if you're only raising rates 2% and labor is going to be your largest expense, more than likely for the property, then you're seeing some, your profitability going down. And even just on the RevPAR side, so the top line revenue you're pulling in per listing, on average, that was flat this year compared to last year. And our full year forecast is it for it to be negative about uh, down about 1%. So with expenses going up, revenue essentially flat for the for you like it's an environment where profit margins are decreasing though they were at i would call it abnormally high levels and part of that theme of normalization that we've been sort of harping on and that we're gonna see that i was actually just speaking at a hotel conference uh this past i guess that was like two or three weeks ago and it was a, actually a similar thing for hotels they had reached I think it was an all-time high for profit margins. And now they're actually forecasting an easing in profit margins for hotels this year too. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, all of those all of those little different factors together. And that is sort of indexing off the high. It feels just like there's a sort of like hibernation mode coming in where it's just shore up what you can shore up. Shore up what you can shore up. That was a sentence, I'm sure, somewhere. Uh, <laughs> editors, no, I'm kidding. And, you know, then it's about, you know, staying the course as we start to see, hopefully, like, you know, a nice riding out, leveling out from the economy. And then, you know, hopefully some strong, steady gains in the near future, um, maybe next, more like next year, I'm guessing, than this year. And something else I want to talk about, and this is going to be a question for you. because I see no questions, please. <laughs> it speaks to one of the trends we're now seeing for April. You have any more ski trips planned? Oh, I know. I do not. With the record snowfall that we've seen out west, in particular California and Utah, but they had that like atmospheric oh, river. So most ski areas that we've been tracking are extending their season, essentially the end of April. So in in so many areas, like we're actually seeing where April was typically like shoulder season, not very strong demand. Demand is up year over year in Mammoth Lakes, 70% for April. Sawtooth Mountains up 40%. Park City demand up 30%. And these are all areas where demand in March was only up 10% roughly. So massive increases in demand as sort of the extended sea season is really helping booking in those bookings in those reason, regions. I love it. Well, I well now I think I'm not going because demand's too high. <laughs> what what are you, you going to find is someone that maybe didn't change their prices. Like so many of those ski markets, like you lower your prices for April, uh, so maybe you can still find some some good deals there. I was so about I'm, to say, let's tell Scott raise the raise the rates on your place, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe something for our, our dynamic pricing tools is that they need to be watching the snowfalls on a, on a regular basis. I was just thinking that I was like, I think we need to add a whole nother metric to our demand calculators, which is the weather. I, I don't speak Boulder, but is it the, the NAR factor? Is that what it's called? <laughs> okay, listen, I feel I'm feeling a little bit stereotyped right now. <laughs> Yeah, the, you can shrop the NAR into, way into April in, in Colorado, <laughs> or at least in Utah and California. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We covered so much. I We didn't cover, we were a little bit U.S.-centric. 
how are things in Europe? I know that, you know, travel trends have been strong in terms of like flights booked and all of that good jazz. Are we seeing demand pop back up in Europe? Is travel back, baby? Yeah, I, Europe is actually seeing even stronger growth than we're seeing in the U.S. And just for s- some context, just recovered back to 2019 levels as of last year, where the U.S. had recovered and fully in 2021. Europe's about a, a year behind the U.S. in terms of their recovery. I've got some trips planned to Europe. I know ADNA is going to be on the road. Uh, coming up with the book direct in London, along with the the shorties at the end of April. And then I'll be heading out to Barcelona for rental scale week and to speak at that conference. So really excited to get out to Europe, at least in May. And then I was listening to the Delta's earnings call. Do you listen to earnings calls on, on a regular basis? I, I love those things. I mean, not from before I knew you, but now that you and I are friends, I'm like, oh yeah, an earnings call, baby. What am I going to watch tonight? The latest like episode of Shrink, Shrinking or whatever, or earnings calls, obviously earnings calls. Right. But I, I missed that one. I'll, I'll add it to the list. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, it's not on Netflix, but man, those would be interesting if we watch the, the live stream. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we should on the podcast. We could comment as they're presenting. Yeah. So they had a very bullish outlook for summer travel. It was funny that they actually made a comment on, they're like, if anyone is seeing any weakness in travel, they're just finding noise in the data and it's not a trend. So I think it it really backs up on the strength that we've been seeing. And yes, we see noise from here and there. We see weaker months or stronger months, but on balance, like things are looking really good for the industry and for travel as we look out to the summer. I love that. I love this concept of like noise versus like the trends, I guess. What's the opposite of noise? Oh, there's something there. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, oh my God, what <laughs> actually by um, <laughs> Nate Silver, it's called The Signal and the Noise. So what what's the signal? And how do you uh, break that out from the noise? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, that those are two good new things that we should keep covering in this podcast, my friend. I actually used to buy that for all the analysts that started with me because it's just a, such a good take on. Uh, it's like a ten-year-old book now, fifteen-year-old book, but nice way of thinking about data and, and how to pick out things that are actually predictive and what you should be paying attention to and how to separate the. I don't even know the the wheat from the chaff or uh, <laughs> the signal from the noise. Yeah. Right. I was one, say, one, of, one of those metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm, 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 you're, I'm drawing blanks too, which usually analogies are my thing. So I don't know what that means about me. I'm a little worried about my health now. All right. Well, hey, again, shout out again to Linda. We'll just bring it full circle. We'll just bookend. Linda, book recommendation for you, girlfriend. And then, yeah, we've got a crazy, I just want to say crazy. I mean, it's going to be fun this spring, but we've got lots of travel on the books. We've got Urban Living Insights, yeah, also in London, the Shorties Awards, Short Stay Summit, Book Direct Barcelona, as you mentioned, Scale Rentals Show, which Jamie Lane will be at, the Exit Door Barcelona, and then a rendezvous, a rendezvous, National de Lourdes Sessionnières. I'm sure I'm saying that all wrong in Paris. And then that's going to round us out into STR Forum in June. 
you guys, we're going to be around. We're going to be hitting the circuits. We hope to see a lot of you there. But now you know what condition our condition is in. Uh, and what? just one more shout out for my team. because Okay, <laughs> do it, do it. I'm hiring another economist. Uh, so if you would love to join the AirDNA research team and find this type of invigorating conversation as something you'd want to do every day, go to airdna.co slash careers and please apply. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. And I, guys, I will vouch for how much fun it is to work with Jamie Lang. So absolutely. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity for anyone um, to get who wants to be in this biz and who loves data as much as we do. Let's do this. All right, sir. Well, hey, you're about to, speaking of travel, I think you are heading to vacation. I think by the time this airs, you may be back. So like we're going back into the future a little bit here, but I do want to wish you a very happy vacation that doesn't involve any Slack messages. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> All righty. We'll see you on the flip side, Jamie.